0: All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining.
1: They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, they did it. A miracle. It. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it off college basketball it's not the size of the dog in the fight
0: it's the size of the fight in the dog
2: welcome back everyone to the big bets on campus podcast i am your host matthew cox kai mccann jim root you'll hear their lovely voices coming through the airwaves here shortly we collectively are known around the world as the three man weave we're gonna talk college hoops Covid is crippling our beloved sport, gents. But hey, we're going to hit a ton of games that are still on the slate for the rest of the upcoming week here, uh, and hopefully, just a select few will still be played, and you'll be able to take our prophetic insights and put them into money-making action. We'll be coming to you every Wednesday, uh, as we have been all season. Wednesday morning, a new episode. College hoops is our focus: mid-major, low-major, power major, power major. I'm starting. That's a new term starting today. Uh, just <laughs> I like to, just sort of blend that. Together. I like that too. Sort of like a double. Double whammy in terms of strength there. But yeah, hey, our format's the same. If you've been coming to us every week, you know the drill. We're going to talk live dogs. We're going to talk blowouts potential, which I think should be actually some very juicy opportunities with uh, some of these non-con underdogs having no interest in giving any sort of fight before they start their conference play. You got some big-time power games of the week. Conference play kicks off, both for the, like I said, the power six and the mid-major. Some really gross trash man picks of the week. We'll try and fly through that. There aren't many great candidates, and it's not always riveting entertainment to discuss. No, that's my obviously, my favorite like, section,
1: Matt. How Jim loves you? the trash man.
2: Jim, you are a trash man. Jim is also yeah. employed by waste management on the side. That's how he uh, supplements his, his income here. And then we will spotlight some, I'll just leave it as a blank space teaser. So stay tuned to the end of the program. You want to see what we're going to spotlight on today. Well, let's get right into it. First, as we always do, let's make sure we beat our chest um, as strong. Well, I guess not so <laughs> strong, but close, but no cigar with our live dogs of the week. We did hit Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't miss Kennesaw, unfortunately. We had Brown, Rhode Island canceled. So as protocol has been so far, we're going to go ahead and call that a win. Um, and we have Pittsburgh and Notre Dame tipping off Tuesday evening, which is yesterday. For those of you listening to this on Wednesday, then Cincinnati, Houston also canceled.
0: Womp, womp.
2: Where's my dog? let's get right into it so here's a the initial slate of potential live money dogs we kind of broke this down into what i'm calling shorter spreads um and then some true long shot hill marys i like to you know take my swing at the fences here i found out a few that that caught my eye yeah we're, we're going to the-
1: check you into a psych ward for some of those Man, I got real (laughs) ambitious,
2: didn't I? Yeah, I'm kind of looking at what I wrote down. I think I blocked out when I did my prep this morning. (laughs) Coming back to you right now. All right. So here are the more reasonable, more realistic live dogs. We got Dayton at Rhode Island on Thursday. James Madison at Towson Friday. South Alabama at Texas State on Saturday. Idaho at Portland State. That's the Matt special teaser on Saturday. And then Jim special Gardner Webb at Georgia Hmm. on Saturday. Let's start from the top here in chronological order. Kai. Dayton, Rhode Island, James Madison, Towson, South Alabama, Texas State. What are mm-hmm. you looking at with these three
0: potential live puppy dogs? Matt, I think all three have merit, man. That's, that's why they're on the list. I'm excited. I, I really think uh, Dayton, let's start with that one, has potential to beat Rhode Island on the road. You look at uh, who these two teams have played, Dayton clearly the stronger schedule, and they've actually performed well against good teams, right? Virginia Tech. Kansas, Belmont took all three of those teams down outright. Yeah, they have some some wars on their resume, but we've seen them play a lot better recently. Rhode Island Jim, on the other hand, the teams they've played that are good, quote unquote, have have kind of killed them. Providence killed them, and they lost to Tulsa lost to Florida Gulf Coast. Everyone else in the resume is kind of meh. I think Dayton has a real chance here to go into
1: Rhode Island and get the win out, right? Kai, I want to. I want to build on your point. I want to. You you laid this foundation. I'm ready to build up the walls around it. Uh, If you filter our good pal Bart Torvik's website by playing against top 100 competition, Rhode Mm -hmm. Island only has one of those games. So bear that in mind. But they're 218th against top 100 competition, Dayton is 44th. So if you're taking it just on that specific segment, Dayton's the better team, clearly. And Dayton struggled early on in the season, losing three bye games. That was before they had christened freshman Malachi Smith as their point guard of the future. They've clearly found a little more of an identity since then. Uh, yeah, I think Dayton's the better team. I, I actually am all on board with this, guy, and I'll probably be bet in spread and money line on this game, to tell you that, especially if it's five. I, I don't imagine yeah. we'll get five, but I'd, I'd certainly love to see it. No chance we'll get five, Matt. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it stays higher.
2: That's why it's tough to really get excited about this because the the money line value won't be huge. But just the fact that Dayton has such a wide range of outcomes, that's sort of the type of team you want to target when you're looking at these money lines. Teams that can Mm -hmm. play to a high level, um, but might have value because they've also laid some eggs. And Dayton has certainly dropped a few deuces in a few games this year. We've seen that (laughs) for sure.
1: Rhode Island a little inflated too. They blew out Georgia State by like 40. Georgia State was missing five of its top seven guys. Like that result is mega misleading. Caveat. And they,
2: and they also beat Milwaukee, which is the worst coached basketball team since the uh, Peach Basket era. All right, let's go to uh, <laughs> hey. James Madison at Towson. I'm sorry, that was kind of rude. D- Denver's Rodney Billups is like, dude, I was here oh, for four years. <laughs> hey, what about me? <laughs> yeah. That was worse. Um, I love James Madison at Towson. I'm not sure which one of you picked this one out. Who, who called this? Me. I think this is a great one. Kai, love it. I mean, how good, how good can Towson possibly be? Are they a juggernaut or are they ripe for a little bit of a correction here?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they're super good. Obviously they've, they've been a juggernaut against the spread, but you look at James Madison and Towson compared to each other. There's a case James Madison could actually be better than Towson. They're not ranked that way analytically currently. Um, some of that's preseason weight for sure, but man, I love this JMU team. I've loved them since the preseason. I still think they should be the favorite in the colonial and Kim Poms giving me eight points. I mean, it's not going to be that, Jim, as we talked about the Dayton Rhode Island spread, but anything close to that, I'm jumping all over the Dukes. I think they can absolutely win this game outright, especially with Towson's injury issues.
1: Yeah, not a ton of home court value here either. I mean, it's not a not a huge travel for GMU to go to Towson. And yeah, you mentioned the injury. That's the big thing here. Cam Holden, broken jaw, arguably the best player on Towson. I think I probably would make that argument. He's mega versatile, playmaking wing. Matt, the thing he's given them is the grab and go off the defensive glass, which has always been like rebounding has always been a strength of these Towson teams under Pat Scary, but this is a guy that is dominant defensively on the glass and can also push and handle the yeah. ball, and that just adds an element to this offense that it's never really had. You remove that from the lineup, and yeah, I, I like JMU here. Love JMU. Nothing further to add there.
2: Last one, um, South Alabama, Texas State. We love us the Jags. They've been banged up throughout the non-con. Richie Riley has depth this year. Kai, Texas State, man, I just when will I finally believe this team's good? Yeah. I, I wonder I just need to come to terms that this is a good basketball team, but I'm going to bang my head against the wall here and probably take USA with the points. I'm not sure I'm going go to full money line dabble, but I think this is the right
0: side, I guess. Yeah, we've seen this last two years for Texas State. They just haven't been good against power teams, you know, I, whether it's it's probably their style, their style of play. It's kind of gritty, kind of ugly. That's hard to beat really good teams that way. And we've seen them get killed by, for instance, Houston last game. In the Sun Belt, though, that play works. And it's tried and true. And Terrence Johnson did it last year with this team. Danny Casper before him. So a little bit of a a scary situation fading them, especially in their, their, I guess, their second game in Sun Belt play. But South Alabama is a team that I think could be the best team in this conference. So, again, you're getting a lot of value here on the road at what Kim Pom says is plus six.
1: Yeah, I'm curious where this where this actual spread opens at, just because there are some concerns on the injury side for South Alabama. Uh, we haven't seen Turbo Jones in a while. We have yet to see Greg Parham this year, so they're definitely not even the best version of themselves, and they've already crept up like a hundred spots in most yeah. analytical rankings. So yeah, that team is mega talented, but Kai you mentioned. Texas State's been so much better in conference play. So much better. So I, this is this is one I'm I'm not as big of a proponent of. I think the first two are fantastic candidates that we discussed, but this one I'm a little more lukewarm on Matthew. I think it's possible South Alabama is good enough to do it, but just seems like Texas State sort of has this league figured out with how they should be playing.
2: Yeah, and they do have some talent. Let's not undersell the players they have there. Caleb Asbury, a highly regarded JUCO guy. They got some experienced multi-year starters, all-conference dudes. So they got some horses, for sure, and uh, San Marcos. But what I like about it, Kai, is it fits this mold of my favorite personal, more of a long-shot live dog of the upcoming weekend, which is Idaho at Portland State. Both of these are road conference underdogs um, in the early part of league play. Just anecdotally, I tend to think that the road – Underdog has a little bit of an advantage here because the home value may not play as strong because the road team is going to be extra motivated. That could be stupid. Feel free to buy to that or don't. But within the specific matchup of Idaho, we've seen Idaho ceiling. They beat Freaking South Dakota State. Um, so, yeah, they can absolutely be Portland State, a team that I think kind of stinks. Uh, basically, an amalgamation and I would have misfit toys, as Jim likes to say, under a first year head coach who I'm trying to find the clip of his introductory press conference just to give you a sense of, I don't yeah. know, where his headspace is. I'm just not a fan of Jace Coburn. I'm, I'm, maybe this, I should remember. Mr. Be, Coburn but I'm
1: not. drives to work without heating or air conditioning. Yep. And he doesn't eat breakfast because he wants to stay hungry. <laughs> Some would call so that much. gritty,
2: Jim. Others would call that just unintelligent and uh that, that's where i'm leaning wow, and i just yeah i just maybe i drove here to my dad's office for this program and i had my heat <laughs> on it's cold out so just my personal preference there i like idaho are you guys gonna ride with me on the vandals or are you still in the camp of this team sucks and that south dakota state game was an
1: anomaly idaho nearly beat southern utah at home too and southern utah sure. is arguably the favorite in this conference so you know it's not like it was a one-game aberration for them They've had a couple really stinky efforts, no question about it. But I don't think Portland State should be favored by 10 over anybody right now. Like I I think that's just not a good basketball team. And, Kai, you make the point of this isn't our only Vandals opportunity this week. Right. Yeah, they, they go on the road to Northern Arizona also on Thursday, which,
0: shoot, I don't think that team's a world beater either. Idaho is a fun money line play, Matt, because, as you mentioned, you like the teams that are high variance. Idaho can get piss hot from outside. yes, yes That's yes. how they beat South Dakota State. That's how they've hung around with these other teams. They can absolutely do that against Portland State or a team like Northern Arizona. And Portland State, I think I like better because their offense is just brutal. They're not going to take advantage of Idaho's admittedly brutal defense. Um, so I actually think you kind of have an intriguing play there, Matt. I think your other options later on are crazy, but this one, you might be onto to something.
2: Yeah. And just to remind the folks why Idaho is so, I guess, I mean, they, A, they started off ranked in the complete end of the Kempom spectrum, I think 352. They had a couple of good efforts to start then they lost by 50 to Washington State and then 40 to Utah Valley. So that kind of pushed them back to the end of the spectrum. And then they've been playing well since. So I still think they're a little bit undervalued. All right, real quickly here, Jim, Gardner-Webb plus four at Georgia. Man, Georgia, what an indictment on the state of your program where you're laying just over a field goal to Gardner-Webb. but. The running right. Bulldogs can play.
1: They're good. Yeah. Georgia just lost in this similar situation to East Tennessee State. It's like a two ish, two and a half, three point favorite. And they were hot from downtown. Uh, it, Noah Bauman had like an out of body experience and they still lost that game, mostly dominated for the extent of it. And I think Garner Webb's just better too. You know, no Jalen Ingram for Georgia. He's out with another torn ACL. Again, this is not a long spread. So don't get too excited about the value you're going to get here. But I think just maybe the idea that a big South team is going to go on the road and beaten SEC team is gonna maybe raise some eyebrows for people. And I I think I think the Gardner Webb Bulldogs, running Bulldogs, Mm -hmm. get it done here against the regular Bulldogs of Georgia. Matt, it's worth
0: noting, yeah, Georgia without Jalen Ingram in the lineup, 0-3 against the spread, lost two of the games outright as a favorite. His absence is clearly important for them.
2: Yeah, I've watched the team. They don't know who they are right now. Another thing, too, I like about this is when you're a power conference team and you're bad, you're fighting an uphill battle because I think mid-majors come in and they don't look at you as a bad team, look at you and they say, Georgia, oh, like we're hyped for this game. So you you can't ever, you always have to get up for these games. And I think sometimes when you're in disarray, the mental state kind of creeps in. And on the other side, you had a team that's hyper-motivated to play you, sort of oblivious to the fact that you suck. And Georgia certainly is in the you suck camp right now.
1: Yeah, Um, maybe not even oblivious, more of like, Oh, they're bad. We can beat them. We can beat them. I'm not walking in here like, oh, typical SEC expecting to get beat down. Like, we might be better than this team, guys. Let's go in and prove it. And multiple Mm -hmm. teams have done that so far this year. Yeah, G-Web is a sleeper title pick for me in
2: that conference. I know Winthrop's a a wagon, but I think the running Bulldogs have a chance to make some noise. All right, two Hill Marys I just kind of mentioned. One of you called out Brown at Maryland. We'll get back to that in a second. I swung for the fences here in the OVC. Tennessee Tech at Murray State on Saturday. Tennessee State and Moorhead State on Saturday, both are going to be in the double-digit spreads. These are probably both going to lose, and Moorhead's been really good, and Murray's been near phenomenal to start the season. But Tennessee Tech and Tennessee State are very talented teams with high upside potential. Their floor is very, very low, as we've seen some absolutely abysmal performances from them so far this season. But again, just kind of cozing up to that same theme I brought up with Idaho and South Alabama. It's the the road conference underdog. If there's ever a chance where you're going to get the, the, the top end of their of their ceiling. It's going to be at the start of conference play and you're catching a few extra points of value as the road team. Call me crazy.
1: That's where I'm at. So. You're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. And we wrong, move league, wrong, wrong league for that, Matt. OBC is one of the most top-heavy conferences in true. the country. I think <laughs> if you want to look for some of the dogs, there are other leagues to do this in. I also will consistently push back against your Tennessee Tech is talented roster. Yeah. It, it's the same. there's their three best players are the same three best players as a sub-300 team last year, so. the last two years. Tennessee State, I sort of buy the upside. Tennessee Tech is just... It's a big shrug
2: for me, Matt. I'm stubbornly convinced they have the talents actually there. I just think John Pelfrey may be a, a poor basketball coach. So maybe that's where I'm I'm uh, I'm missing the mark. Who wrote down Brown, Maryland? I did, but We're Matt, skipping it. it
0: was more for just Faye uh, Danny
2: Manning. Hey, Fade, Fade, yeah. Danny Manning is always a good strategy. I'm here to, I'm,
0: I'm here for that. So I yeah, think our Faye listeners Danny, will Manning. gladly do that. Brown doesn't suck. They hung with UNC. I mean, they, they got smoked by Syracuse, but they can hang with a team like Maryland. So if, hey. If,
1: Whatever. If Maryland wasn't playing Lehigh tonight, Tuesday, before this will air, I think I'd be more on board with it because it'd be Maryland coming off a little bit of a longer break, but the fact that they get a little bit more of a warm-up game, right, all uh, right, that dilutes the value a bit for me. Any hot takes on these other three you guys wrote down here?
2: Ole Miss hosting Florida, DePaul at Butler, and West Virginia at Texas. All going to be
0: shorter yeah. spreads. Yeah, just kind of shorter spreads of more power teams. I mean, I this, think these yeah. these yeah. are the road dogs in conference. They are indeed, and yep. except Ole Miss, they're, they're hosting Florida, but all oh. Okay, yeah. Empowered conferences, I think you see more money line specials. Right, um, teams are just more evenly matched in those conferences. So I think any of these teams would be good picks um, during the week.
2: Yeah, I like the West Virginia one quite a bit. Texas is a, it's a team I'm looking to fade right now. House so. of Cards. Yeah, I don't love that team. I'm sure Chris Beard will shove it up our ass in February, but right
1: now that team is definitely still in in soul searching mode. The, their top 50 recruit that followed Beard from Tech to Austin already bailed already bailed yep so okay Red flag. maybe
2: there's some alarm bells yeah. yeah love reading between the lines there agree all right we're going to blow out city here Fire in the hole. Oh, we uh we called LSU destroying Lipscomb last week we told you to lay any price and any price that you could have laid in any book um you were mm-hmm. in the money a Lipscomb without Asadula is a complete disaster. Trying to find a few similar spots this week. There aren't too many because conference play is on the horizon. Also concerned that a, two of these might be canceled. Uh, but I like what the ones you guys picked out here. Penn State hosting Delaware State. That's on Wednesday. And Texas A&M hosting Central Arkansas. Also on Wednesday. Kyle, I'll go to you here first. Just in a nutshell, my take on these two are, I don't love either favorite as a favorite. Penn State's right. not the team that has like, you know, Mach 5 Runaway blowout potential. Texas A&M obviously has some offensive hiccups as well, but but you're punching at two pretty vulnerable pinatas, I think, with the Hornets and the uh, the Bears.
0: Yeah, it's more so an indictment on Delaware State against Penn State. Now, Penn State's coming off a COVID pause; they haven't played in 18 days um, by the time they played this game on Wednesday. But Delaware State could be the worst team in the country. They lost to Temple by 37, Wagner by 42, NC Central by 33. Those are some brutal scores. And if you want to use the transitive property which we we love. Yes uh, we do. We put a lot of faith in Yeah, Penn State beat Wagner by 20,
1: man. So, Penn State's going to beat Delaware State by 62, Jim. That's how Done. that works. All right down. It's they it, they probably only have like 65 possessions in the game. That's the worry with Penn State as a big <laughs> yeah. favorite. They play so slowly. But man, Delaware State is truly, truly terrible. Like there, there's not a game you can pick out that is like, oh, that's the one I'm really excited mm-hmm. about. Like their best game was losing their in-state rival Delaware by 11. And that game's always just weird. But, but we've mentioned it on here before. They lost to non-D1 Salisbury by 13 <laughs> at home. The stakes. The yeah, stakes. it's disgusting. St. <laughs> Francis, New York at home lost by 14. <laughs> NC Central, 33, you mentioned that one. It, it's like over and over the results are bad. Does this, I like this one a little, more than the other one, but it's entirely about how bad Delaware State is. Right. Uh, I guess in the same vein, one more non-conference one,
2: you guys wrote down Rutgers hosting Maine. The Black Bears, we thought they might be feisty this season. Maybe it was just me. I was probably on my own island. They have not been. Uh, turns out when you don't have good players, your team's not very good. Now, again, Rutgers is not a, a squad that we're super excited about to back as a large favorite, but um, I can certainly see them absolutely dismantling the Black Bears. And then they play Central Connecticut, as you noted here, Kyle, on Saturday, too. So maybe Rutgers gets two easy tune-ups where they get back in a confidence groove heading into Big Ten play there.
0: Yeah, certainly less confident on the Rutgers stuff. I do think Texas A&M's a can-do against Central Arkansas. Bears haven't been competitive against better teams, and A&M, just mantled at Houston Baptist, a team that's probably
1: pretty close to Central Arkansas, even if they are pretty terrible. A&M is probably a, a solid candidate there. They're back to full strength. They had a couple of guys miss the previous game, but they, they returned for Dallas Christian on Monday. So they're, they're full strength with their deep pressing squad. That's important for them from yeah, the, the way they play. Rutgers is 0-3 against the spread as a 15-point favorite, including an outright loss and an overtime win against Lehigh. So I don't trust that team as a big favorite, unfortunately. But I'm with you on AM and m Kai. You guys also had
2: Grand Canyon hosting Chicago State and UAB hosting UTSA. Jim, I like your historical precedent of Chicago State traveling to the desert, and it has not gone kindly, to put it lightly.
1: No, way back when they first joined the league, they were competitive. But their last five trips to Grand Canyon lost by 24, 34, 34, 23, 15. I know this is sort of a different Cougars team. They're definitely more competitive than they've been in the past, but Grand Canyon's better too, arguably, than some of those teams. They've got a couple big-time down transfers on the squad. I think I would take Bryce Drew over Dan Marley, so I think this is a better coach version of Grand Canyon. Yeah, I know we talked about road teams, road dogs, motivation in conference, but... This is also not a sleepy spot for the home team. Like right. I don't no. think Grand Canyon wants to be like, ah, it's just a conference game. Who cares? So I kind of like the Antelopes.
0: I go back and forth on that anecdote, Matt. The uh, motivated road team first game in conference. I don't know. I, yep. I think the home team is, like Jim said, just as amped up to kind of kill the road team and in the first conference game. And we've seen, I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, even with the COVID pauses, the Big Ten comes to mind where home court was just ridiculously strong yep. to start off out of the gates. Now, that's just a one-off story, of course. I, I need to see the full data set, as you'd like to say.
2: Yeah, I don't have that data. That's locked in a black box somewhere. Well, oh, actually, I do. I just haven't massaged it yet to procure those numbers for you. I guess I would specify that anecdote is specific more so to larger underdogs, perhaps. Again, completely anecdotal, so who knows? All right, let's go to the Power Games, plural of the week. It's going to be a barn burner in SEC country. We kick it off with two SEC showdowns. I just want to start it off with this. Alabama is hosting Tennessee. That's on Wednesday. And then the other two are Saturday. So we have two SEC Wednesday nights. That's tonight, folks listening to this podcast uh, in a timely manner. Alabama hosting Tennessee Auburn hosting LSU. Kai, we want data. We'll give you some data. Auburn, Alabama last three seasons are 39 and 29 against the number at home. We talk about home Auburn being a wagon. I think people forget that Alabama is pretty dominant in front of their home crowd as well. Just two styles that play so well in front of their home fans. Uh, What are you looking at in these two matchups here?
0: Well, it's a good question, Matt. I I certainly lean towards both home teams. In the case of Auburn, I just think Auburn's fantastic. Um, You're getting Alan Flanagan kind of work back in the lineup there is a world where they're the best team in the sec and they're not really getting treated as such
1: plus 900 to win the league.
0: Yeah. They have so many, so many weapons. They have a coach in Bruce Pearl who's obviously taken them to the final four in recent years. They're a team that can actually absolutely win this league. LSU may be a good sell high candidate. I'm a little bit of a more, more of a believer in LSU this year than years past, but man, that's a short spread at minus two. Kim Palm currently says, and then on Alabama side, Jim, this is a team I think people have started to give up on for some reason, which just goes to show the the short-term nature of most of the media, I think, in college basketball. It's like, oh, you lost last game. You're done. Even though we saw Alabama beat Houston and Gonzaga. Can't forget about those efforts.
1: Right. I, I think it's the loss to Davidson and the loss to uh, at Memphis that people are like, oh, man. Alabama's broken. They're not going to win the league. They're throw them out. So this is like a weirdly great buy low spot on the Tide, and it's a little bit sell high on Tennessee too. I, I actually thought they should have gotten away from Arizona given some of the officiating gifts they received yep. against oh, Arizona yeah. in that game. Uh, I am not the only one saying that, folks. Just do a, a Twitter <laughs> search for the rest on that game. If you think I'm being uh, you know biased or something, there. And they, they got up big, and they just kept letting Arizona get back into it. So that didn't get me too excited about the Vols. I, I love Alabama here, Matthew. I, I would imagine we see this a little bit higher. I, I bet yeah. it's a field goal rather than two. And I think I would still lay that. I know you're a big Vols guy, Matt. Yeah, I am. I like the Tide here. This is a great spot for him.
2: I am a big Vol guy, but a great spot for the Tide, and I think it's a great buyout. Agree wholeheartedly. Kai, on the whole Auburn thing, man, I looking at LSU right now, they have crept into – I guess they're right behind Tennessee right now in Kempom. So it's Tennessee 9, LSU 10, Kentucky 11, Auburn 13, yeah. Alabama 18. Um, I mean, we're talking about four of the five perennial front, not perennial, but just sort of assumed front runners right now for this conference. Jimmy mentioned the conference odd value there for uh, for Auburn. I I, I think that's a, a phenomenal wager. I'm sort of yeah. shorting Auburn's LSU in general. Auburn's behind
1: to, Arkansas right now.
2: Like, yeah, is that I mean, yeah, that's hanging, clinging way too tightly to preseason and priors. Arkansas is not a good basketball team. Uh, sorry, folks. Uh, all right, let's go out to the East Country. Saturday, as I tried to tease at the onset. Villanova heads to Seton Hall. Then we'll talk about Baylor, Iowa State, the Big 12 tilt also on Saturday there. Nova got the monkey off their back, Jim. Got the big win over Xavier in the friendly confines of the pavilion. Now they have to go back on the road where life has been a lot more difficult for them this season. I think they beat Seton Hall though. I do. As, as much as I love the Pirates and I love that defense and their length up front, I think the, uh, the Wildcats are going to start to
1: remind folks why we had them penciled in top three preseason. I mean, this is ultimate narrative game here is the baton being passed in terms of favorite atop the big east are we going to see two lost villanova i believe after they lost to creighton it was the first time they've been under 500 since the big east realigned they were oh and one so if they, lo- they lose again here it'll be the second time when they're potentially sitting at one and two or matt the other side of the narrative is like you mentioned they go in they smash Seton hall and we're like oh yeah Villanova is really good. They're the best team in the Big East. We all gave up on them because Baylor throttled them and then they lost to Creighton too. But I think they're still the best team. I would side towards Villanova here. The question for me is, is do we see Obiagu back for Seton Hall? And they'll have a game before this one against Providence where we'll see whether you know he's in the lineup or not. But he's not really a help in this matchup, Kai. he's not going to be able to defend in space against the way Villanova runs offense and he's not an offensive threat on the block. So that, and that's how you exploit Mm -hmm. Nova on D. So I, I almost think it's better for Seton Hall if he's not playing.
0: Yeah. He's going to park in the paint and Nova would be like, okay, that's fine with us. We play five out anyways, and we just take threes and that's, that's all good. I do lean towards Villanova here. My worry, Matt, their own four against the spread on the road. They truly have been bad uh, away from home. I think that's more or less they're playing excellent teams in the road. I mean, Baylor, for instance, UCLA earlier. Yeah, they um, should have covered UCLA over time.
1: They didn't cover an over Exactly.
0: Now, Seton Hall has been great this year, but one, one stat I'm looking at here, so Seton Hall has been excellent this season at taking away the three, which is obviously important against Villanova, but you dig deeper into Seton Hall's schedule, the teams they've played, really aren't very good shooting teams yep. or, or willing Agreed. shooting teams. They're Agreed. mostly physical, banged the, towards the basket type of teams. Your Rutgers, your Wagners, your Texases, Villanova's not that team. I think they're going to execute against Seton Hall, and, and
1: I lean their way on Saturday. To contextualize that point, they've played one team that's in the top 100 of three-point attempt rate so far, Yeah, and right. Villanova's 16th. So it's like, oh, this is the first team we're playing that really, truly wants to launch threes. Right, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just put the cherry on top.
2: I watched the Texas game. I thought Texas got what they wanted mostly in the first half. Texas went one of 13 from three. Again, you could argue that the Pirates just simply a lucky recipient of playing a bad shooting team that was especially cold that night. They play Rutgers three nights later. Yeah, they win, but that's Rutgers. It's certainly not an offensive juggernaut by any stretch. And they're coming off COVID pause too. So we will see how the Pirates respond. But I think a lot sets up here for Nova to kind of start that bounce back, that upward swing um, back to the top of the Big East totem pole where I think we all thought they'd end up by season's end. We mentioned Baylor who smoked Villanova Toughest road challenge of the early conference season for them going into the Hilton Magic House of Horrors, gym. Battle of Man, undefeateds. Two undefeated. Two undefeated ball clubs. This will be a lofty spread. We saw Iowa State get disrespected at home against Iowa earlier this year. I believe that spread got bet up to five and the clones beat the pants off of the visiting Cyclones. Baylor is a different beast, though. I think Iowa State keeps it close here, but uh, I don't know if they actually went out
1: right. What are you looking at? I think this is where the Iowa State offense finally is like a little exposed. I think the Cyclones defense is for real. I think we're all buying it. Uh, led by Brockington and some of the size they have there is mega impressive, but they go through some droughts offensively and now they're about to play arguably the best defensive team in the country in Baylor. We saw what they did to Villanova again that was, you know, helped by the the hype home crowd in Waco, but. I think they can do something almost as severe to this Iowa state offense. It's led by a freshman guard and two wings that have not been alpha scorers in their past. So I lean towards Baylor. I probably won't bet this game to be quite honest guy, mm-hmm. but man, if, if Iowa state wins, we have to completely recalibrate how we think about that team. I I'd be shocked if we see an Iowa state win here, but man, seven
0: points. That's a lot at home for Hilton magic in an arena. We've talked about multiple times on multiple outlets. It's just a tough place to play and new year's day against the number one team in the country. It's going to be rocking. And especially first conference game of the season.
1: I hope so. Cause it's not, I hope so students might not be there. That's like, I got it. They come back for this one. Start heading back kids. Start heading back. Yeah, spend spend your new year's Eve in Ames. That's what you should be doing. I hope they come back. Baylor's
0: only played one true road game this year and it was against Oregon and they almost lost that game. Uh, ended up yep. winning by eight, but it was not comfortable the entire way. So maybe there's something there for Iowa State here. I don't think they're going to win outright, Matt, but I think they can cover seven.
2: Yeah, I really want to take Iowa State, but
0: I just... Baylor and
2: Houston, well, before Houston got ravaged with injuries, just two teams that are just like older adults in the room. They go on road trips and they just treat it as business trips and they just don't seem to have those letdowns that some of these other squads have. So for that reason, I'm going to stay away here. Uh, I, I've lost too much money fading Baylor the last year and a half. It's it's time I crown them. The, in the top upper echelon, Pantheon College Hoops, which is where they belong. All right, we're moving on to mid-majors. We got some good showdowns here. Again, conference play sets up for some early heavyweight bouts within these leagues. Hey, just a quick reminder, we did call Hofstra. Uh, you're welcome to those of you who did trail our insights, our recommendations last week. But hey, got some really good showdowns here. We'll start with more of a hybrid major. San Francisco at St. Mary's. The Dons are pushing for at-large territory, but they start off with a brutal schedule to open their WCC slate going across town there in NorCal
0: to Moraga. We love the Gales. We love the Dons. And what gives here, Kai? It's just two really, really smart teams, well-coached, that know each other very, very well. It's going to be fun. I lean towards St. Mary's. They have the owner's manual, I think, on San Francisco. And and I think Randy Bennett can execute and cover a short spread at home here.
1: I think I like the under here. I think St. Mary's can control tempo. And the San Francisco team's been a lot more willing to play slower this season with real bigs and multiple bigs on the lineup. Lean towards the under. I guess if I had to pick a side, it would be St. Mary's. But... I think these teams are as close to like a coin flip as you can get. So I'm not really interested in backing aside on this one. If I had to, if I had to do something, it'd be a total. I I mean, I'm just really excited for it, Matt. I think they're both Mm -hmm. on the at-large trail. And if the Dons get the road win here, the the Q1 road win, they're they're almost huge, you know, in a Mm driver's seat for at-large. Matt, Todd Golden has never beaten St.
0: Mary's. Kyle Smith was the last one to do it in 2019.
2: It's weird because we've seen Todd Golden play Gonzaga consistently very close, but uh, just hasn't quite been able to solve the Rubik's Cube that is St. Mary's. It's two high-class chess masters going at it. You're, Jim's right. I can't make an argument to which team's better. Basically, you look at the line and you decide how much home core do you think St. Mary's deserves. I think it's well, like an hour and a half drive there across the bay. That's really what this comes down to from a handicapping perspective. All right, we got on to two or three true mid-major clashes. South Dakota State at North Dakota State, Delaware at Charleston, Western Kentucky at Louisiana Tech. All six of these teams with legitimate claims to potentially winning their conference. Let's start with the Dakota showdown here. North Dakota State, Jim, is a reinvigorated ball club. They started off on a sour note, but man, they have started to hit the gas pedal as of late, showing signs of the hit, team that hit I... Hit the, they're hitting the diesel, the Sam the diesel diesel. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's B right. minus uh, on my rubric there. <laughs> but the Bison are good. Um, I had them win in the league. I had them 1A, South Coast State 1B, and Oral Roberts 1C. And so now you get a team that is actually going to be an underdog just given how much they've struggled and how awesome the jack bunnies have been on the other side of the coin. I love the bison here. I don't know how much home court is. I know it's not a massive travel, but these Dakotas always have good home courts no matter where the opponent's coming from, it seems like.
1: Yeah, you've got the additional concern of Noah Friedel, the leading scorer for the jack bunnies, missed last game due to, it seems like, coach's decision. We're not sure what's going on there. Uh, He was suited, but he never came in the game. So yeah, I lean towards the bison here as well. I, I think they're Like you mentioned with Houston and some of those teams, like adults, both teams, I guess, are really, really seasoned veteran squads. But I like the home team there. I like the aspect of they've started to reset their season with Grizzle in the lineup. And now they've got the true conference play preseason favorite coming to town. Mega hype home spot. I, I like the Bison as well here. It's one of these games that's a different sort of
0: handicap when you get in conference play. These teams are huge rivals, obviously. North Dakota State always plays South Dakota State close at home. Last year, they lost by one. Two years ago, they won in overtime by two. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be one possession. So you're giving me more than one possession, Matt. I do like in DSU here. Take the points.
2: Yeah, take, take the, the points. Point, though. Vegas offers them to you. You take them. You don't get greedy. <laughs> you say thank you and you walk away. Thank you, Kai. You're our colonial resident expert here. At least I'm dubbing you such for this next little mini breakdown here. Delaware at Charleston. I guess any team can win the colonial at this point. It's probably the most wide open. William Mary cannot. William Mary. Sorry, apologies (laughs) to the tribe. You have pretty much declared yourself inept. By by Um, the
1: way, we should be we should be making it a little bit more of a bit the fact that they haven't covered a game yet this year. Oh, I guess the spread. They got one. They're the number one. Horrendous.
2: Delaware Charleston Kai the Hens yeah. versus our beloved Cougs and Pat Kelsey. I lean the Cougs. Yeah. That's my take.
0: I yeah. I mean, I I still love Charleston. They lost Lee to transfer, which was super weird. He was playing major minutes for them. I, I don't I don't know why he transferred. Maybe it was personal. John Meeks has been out of the lineup. He was Bucknell's supernova last year. He's been very good for them, and they still went on the road and beat Old Dominion. Pat Kelsey has just so many horses on this team. They, they go so deep. They play at the fastest tempo in the country. I guess the Delaware team is definitely good. I think they come out and they win this game at home uh, in their, I believe it's their first conference game. Of the season will be Delaware's second conference game.
1: Yeah, and Delaware's had injury issues of their own. Ryan Allen has been out, key guy for them. Andrew Carr was in and out of the lineup. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance we get Meeks back. I think he was like close to playing right. mm-hmm. before Christmas and they probably wanted to hold him out for conference play. So if you give me, yeah, even there's like a 60% chance that Meeks plays, I'm all about the Cougars here. I still think they're undervalued in analytics and, yes. and that makes them undervalued in spread calculations. So Matt, I, I think the Cougars are every bit as good as Towson and Hofstra and this team's atop the, the league. So I, I like them to get this, this opener at home. With Meeks, a healthy and effective Meeks, I agree with
2: Jen there. I can't believe I'm making a comparison to Idaho, but you're right. I think Charleston is still undervalued by the metrics, largely due to their preseason priors, rooted in the fact that it's a new coach, a completely overhauled roster, and a couple of results that have basically kept them in the undervalued side of the spectrum there. So agree. find me uh, another
1: college basketball podcast that's making Charleston Idaho and Idaho <laughs> comparisons. Does it's not out there? Doesn't exist.
2: <laughs> and if it does they probably shouldn't exist so it makes us question our our viability here kai conference usa one of the three patriotic leagues in this fine nation here louisiana tech Kenny lofton and the boys hosting the tops i like western kentucky but i always like western kentucky starting to kind of round into form now we've seen lot tech play good ball late gave lsu all they could handle i think this is 1a1b in the comp, sorry 1a1b and 1c along with uab uh, North Texas, mm-hmm. apologies. I think you're just a cut below. This is going to probably open up LaTeX just about a field goal, maybe a little bit higher, depending on where the odds makers have Western Kentucky. There's kind of a tough nut to crack
0: with the yeah. roster fluidity throughout the season. I like the tops. That's it in a nutshell I, for me. I do too, man. The Kempom plus five. Yeah, I don't know if we see it that high, but Western Kentucky's loss to Kentucky by like 30. It crushed in the analytics. So the hope for us is everyone overreacted to that. And and move them down a little bit because they're a great by low candidate. I think, especially heading into conference play, they have historically done well in, the, in conference USA. And Jamarian Sharp, man, that's a pretty good matchup for Kenneth Lofton. If you're gonna pick one guy, a seven five guy who blocks everything in his path,
1: pretty good option. Yeah, I, Lofton makes his makes his hay going through people, mm-hmm. separating in the shoulders. He's a very wide dude and finishing over the top. You can't do it against Sharp. Oscar Shibway couldn't do it against Sharp. <laughs> Problem is, we don't know if Sharp's playing. Sharp, rolled an ankle, officially called a sprain after that Kentucky game. If he's not out there, Kenneth Lofton could have 40 and 15. It it could be just a complete demolishment. You need to make shots against Western Kentucky too, especially with Sharp out there because they zone. They just want to keep him near the rim as much as possible. Louisiana Tech, not an elite shooting team. Keyston Willis has given them a little bit of that, but I don't know, man. I I, I kind of lean towards Louisiana Tech regardless, especially if Sharp is limited or out. I know you guys are big Hilltopper guys. I haven't totally bought in on them. I'm sitting here waiting to see when Keith Williams is going to get ruled eligible. NCAA, are you what out there? They're not. Where no, they're are not. you? So yeah. They're sleeping they're at the wheel for COVID, and they're sleeping at the wheel for everything else. Once Williams is in the lineup, I think WKU is going to be monster by low, but yes. right now, not quite as sold yet. Yeah, NCAA is on the college six-week Christmas
2: winter vacation schedule, which we all yeah. miss so much since we've graduated in 2013. Um, I'll add this as an angle. Both teams do play Thursday. So this will actually be the second conference game for both teams. Western Kentucky the last two years under Stansbury has been very much a, if the spot's good, they play well. So if you see the tops, maybe drop one to start, I believe they play Southern Miss though, who's been kind of bad. So it's unlikely they lose if they mm-hmm. do. And we've seen them lay eggs in certain spots before. I think they're going to be a really good live
1: dog here at La Tech. It's also huge that you get a game to see if Sharp plays. Yes, imagine. right. they don't force him in that game because Southern Miss is terrible, but right. keep an eye on the box score. A little load management action. Yeah, I like that angle. The Trash Man pick of the week.
2: I'm the Trash Man.
1: Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good.
2: All right, we're up to segment number five, the Trash Man Pick of the Week, and it is gross and ugly. We're going to fly through, I think, what, two games here? Oh, the Delta Devils. Whenever we get to talk Delta Devil hoop on this podcast, the people's ears perk up instantly. And they're going to South Florida. I'll be honest, I think I'd rather watch 10 straight games of Delta Devils than I would of (laughs) USF basketball. There isn't a more mind-numbing, eye-bleeding offense than the Bulls Kai. It's a team that's completely devoid of shooters that's trying to implement a Princeton-style offense. It's like, yeah. like trying to spread square peg round hole. Yeah. Thank you. There's a better analogy that I will think of <laughs> as you finish your point, but it's gross. It's not good. What are your
0: thoughts on this? Uh, S- South Florida. You expect the SWAC teams, the Miac teams and Southland teams to rank low in offense. You don't expect an American team like South Florida to rank 337th in adjusted offensive efficiency. What are you doing? How is it even possible with the caliber of players you can bring to that school? They're the third worst three-point shooting team in the country. It's just terrible. And, of course, Mississippi Valley State, they're one of the worst offensive teams in this country, too. Can't shoot. It's going to be a brick fest. Spread's huge. Uh, Kempom has it at 23. Can South Florida beat Anybody by 23, Jim, I'm going to go back no. and check myself on that, but I don't think they can.
1: I certainly don't believe so. They have not yet this year. They beat Bethune-Cookman by 21 on opening day, and that was like a, a late runaway. A f- yes, yeah. very, very. <laughs> was like, I think Bethune-Cookman was winning at halftime in that game. So, yeah, certainly don't be fooled by that. Uh, South Florida is coming back from the islands. They're they coming a sleepy way from yes, Hawaii. Yes, yes. This game is four days after they played on Christmas. I don't know why Mississippi Valley State gets up for this game. They're probably starting to look ahead towards swag play. That's my concern, but I am not backing South Florida as a big favorite coming home from the island. I I might even put a little bit on Mississippi Valley State down to like 21 or so. I want to have like a midseason action review with Brian Gregory and just ask what his
2: what his general approach is with this team. <laughs> I, I've seen him play a couple of times. When they get out and run in transition, it's like, oh yeah, you got athletes, you got dudes that can score with space and speed and length, but they try and like settle into this half court. It makes no sense. It's like they're yeah. trying to do synchronized swimming as a bunch of football players. It just makes no hey, there you go. there's analogy. no match. There's no match. <laughs> yeah, find it. Found it just uh, five minutes into that segment. <laughs> All right. There's other games we wrote down here for the sake of our interest and the audience. We're going to move on to spotlighting drum roll, please.
1: Two-bid
2: potential at large leagues talking the Atlantic 10, the American, the mountain West and the WCC, the four hybrid conferences with multi bid potential tipping off over the weekend. So I want to break down they, some matchups here. They've all got
1: huge games for huge games. potential, like mm-hmm. two bid status, multi-bid status.
2: Yeah, yep. we have pretty front loaded schedules in all of these, all four of these conferences. We'll start with the A10. Davidson goes to VCU on Sunday and Richmond plays at SLU on Sunday. Kai, of this group, I like all four. It's hard to put into yeah. words how awesome Davidson's been, somehow quietly under the radar to some degree. Uh, I still think SLU actually might be the biggest dark horse in this conference still. Richmond's still Richmond and VCU's getting healthier. What's your uh, what's your angle on these
0: two? Yeah, I, I think VCU is a terrific bylaw candidate still. Uh, with Ace Baldwin back in the lineup, their defense is the third best in the country, and that's real. I, I think we've seen them have good defenses before they do again. Yeah, both these games, one point spreads, pick 'em's. It's going to be around there in those situations. I definitely lean towards um, the home team in a huge conference game and on a sleepy Sunday, guys, uh, maybe maybe favors the home team a little bit more there.
1: Yeah, I, I love VCU both here and in general. Like they're six to one at Barstool to win the A10. With what we've seen St. Bonaventure do this year, and the way the offense has perked up for VCU with Baldwin in the lineup, I think that's a great value. I mean, Davidson's plus four fifty. They've they've certainly been bet to the point where I don't know if it's quite as functional anymore in terms of getting good value. But VCU, I I think, is still somebody worth looking at. And I think the athleticism can really bother Davidson here, Matt. Davidson just beat Alabama, which is obviously a very athletic team. But VCU is on a different level defensively. Like They're they're just more connected. Uh, They're going to play a little bit more in the half court, force Davidson to execute, which they can. But I I think they expose Foster Lawyer quite a bit in terms of his, his lack of burst as a point guard. I agree. I don't think
2: Bama turned up the heat enough on the Davidson ball handlers who have been awesome this season, but you have to make them uncomfortable. If you let them run their stuff, they will slice and dice you to pieces. VCU uh, will not let that happen. I like the Rams here. I know a strong take for me on the Billikins richmond showdown. I want to see both teams make the tournament. I feel bad for both programs given the injury luck they've had. So another good mo- note here is that these are the second conference games. You're looking for that bounce back or... Yeah, you know, keep, keep an eye game, on what happens angle. in
1: the first one. The lineups especially
2: yep. as well. Yep. Uh, the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, UCF goes to SMU on Sunday, Memphis at Wichita State on Saturday. Man, the roundhouse will be rocking. Uh, Memphis starting to figure it out, do we think? I know they're getting some guys back coming off COVID pause. I like the shock, and I like the ponies, Kai. The ponies at home
0: are a good team. Yeah, and, and, and UCF, Matt, is a team I was looking at the other day where I just don't understand how they can't pull away from some of these teams. Like the North Alabama game recently, a nine-point game right before Christmas – that just sits wrong with me. This team is absurdly talented, absurdly experienced. They should be very, very good, and they just kind of play to their level of competition. Now, that's good when you're playing a better team like SMU. It doesn't give me the, the warm and fuzzies. I think SMU is kind of on a mission now. They've woken up a bit. I definitely lean their way as far as Memphis and Wichita State. The home court factor is huge for Wichita, but they've they've had guys out of the lineup, and Memphis might be a team also, Jim, that that's woken up recently.
1: Yeah, the the one I think of these two games, my bigger lean is towards Wichita. I've seen them compete with size and athleticism. They, they took Arizona the to overtime in a neutral court, which was insanely impressive to me looking back. And Memphis, I think there's two schools of thought. It's they found it, they beat Alabama. But that was fueled by the big home crowd. So either they found it or it was kind of a one-off, like big spot, home run I don't know. The, the, the big part of that was benching Imani Bates and he's supposed to be available and I'm curious of how much they're going to try to get him back integrated. I think they're a much better team when he's not on the floor. So I like Wichita there. I think it's going to be ugly. You're not going to like see a, some big runaway blowout, but I just trust them a little more late in the game. Trust them not to fart away possessions the way Memphis does. So lean towards the Shockers. I got I got nothing UCF, SMU, Matt. I think those are two whack-a-mole teams. Erratic, hard to hard to get a feel on. Tony Express at
2: home. I'm uh, back on board. I uh, I called them- So Tim Yankovic, he said there is space for a passenger in the caboose. So he's allowed me to rejoin the main wagon after hopping off so, so disloyally earlier this season. All right, Mountain West. We're headed west. San Diego State at UNLV on Saturday. Boise State at Wyoming on Saturday. The Pokes is really the story for me, how good they've been to start. Um, I had moments there. They're coming back from the island, though, Jim. Does that worry you in terms of a letdown against a Broncos team that is quietly surging? Quietly surging.
1: worries me a little. They do have longer time off than South Florida. South Florida's playing four days after they played in Hawaii and they're going to the East Coast, whereas Wyoming's playing seven days after and they're going not as far across the country. So I'm hoping that they will not have any sort of you know jet lag. And I just think they're better, to be quite honest. I mean, Armouche is a decent matchup in the paint for EK. And if you can get him in foul trouble, then that's where Wyoming really struggles when EK is not on the floor. But it's just, I guess, kind of both teams can score to me, Kai. Yeah. I, the athleticism of Boise slashing is going to have an advantage. Wyoming's execution inside and with their shot selection can score. So maybe a little bit lean towards an over, but I also like Wyoming. I think this team is really good and maybe still a hair undervalued this year.
0: Yeah, I think Boise's figured it out. I don't think people have noticed. They've won six straight. They've covered the last four. They obviously have a huge game against Fresno State yesterday when you guys would be hearing this podcast, but they're, they're a team I, I'm not excited to step in front of. The one thing for Wyoming, the home court's excellent, and now they actually have a good team this season to back up the home court. Um, it's certainly not a team I'm looking to fade uh, in their own gym.
2: Yep. I love the Brocks. They got a freshman, Tyson uh, Hart. I could be getting that pronunciation incorrect. He's been an absolute fireball in the wake of Dutrieve's departure from the team. Completely lifted that offense. So that team needs shooting and he has provided it in spades. All right. Finally, we got the WCC. We talked about San Francisco at St. Mary's earlier. Gonzaga goes to LMU on Saturday. BYU goes to Portland on Saturday. These are going to be big double digit spreads. LMU's dangerous. They got talent, but Gonzaga is in a different weight class. Feels to me like it could be a runaway, but if there's a spot or a a situation where the Lions flex their muscle, which team that many had pegged top 75, my goodness, preseason, Kai, uh, is there any chance the Zags are on upset alert or is this going to be a 10-point, 20-point demolition?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's upset alert. I think they could cover a 15-point spread. Gonzaga's going to get every team's best effort this year, but the problem is they would be getting every team's best effort for every single year, and it hasn't really phased them too much. This year is probably the closest... These two teams are going to get in terms of ability level. Last year, LMU was really good, but Gonzaga was on a different planet. LMU should be a lot better this year, or at least the same as last year. And you get Gonzaga taking a slight downtick. I think LMU probably thinks in their head they can hang a little bit, so I'm probably into their way as a dog. Absolutely not outright.
1: Yeah, I, I, the matchup here, like last year, LMU had a seven foot two center that at least helped them patrol the paint. This year, they're small inside. They're playing Eli Scott and Leo Pepe most of the time at big man. That's like six six. 6'6", and that's good luck with that against Drew Timmy and Holmgren. I think they're going to get dominated inside. I sort of lean towards Gonzaga, just mostly from a matchup perspective. The other one, Matt, I like the home dog, though. I like your pilots. Lie on, baby. Yeah, BYU is, they've had some good games since they've lost
2: their two interior cogs with with Harward and, and Baxter. Baxter, but I just think this team has lost some of that muscle and it, it showed at times they've looked vulnerable, relying a lot on Tejan Lucas and Barcelo, who have been really good. And Mark Pope's a phenomenal coach, but uh, you're not going to coach circles around Shanty Legans. He's been excellent. He has okay talent. And they play smart. They play analytically sound, and I think the Pilots are going to keep that one close. Maybe not like two possession close, but certainly within ten points. I think that's a pretty good underdog, a home
1: dog to start conference play in WCC. Portland's a team you can smash inside, and yes. BYU doesn't have that ability anymore. Yeah. they're not. They're not like a own you inside type of squad anymore. Right.
0: I believe Lagans needs one more win against D one competition to match Terry
1: Porter's high in Terry Porter's Man, five that's a seasons at for Terry. Coming. What's Terry pretty up here right now?
2: wonder what he's I up to. No,
1: he uh, and yeah, Rodney Billups really... are, are playing checkers somewhere. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, they're being taught how to play checkers. They still haven't quite yet. An <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim, I gave the audience a PSA last episode.
1: I would like to toss the light to you for your own disclaimer slash PSA before we sign off. We, we are coming back from kids going home for the holidays. Not kids. Young men. Sorry. Young men. The, these teams have gone home for the holidays. Even if the games are being played make sure you are looking at lineups because there's going to be random absences reported and unreported all across the slate. Tread lightly with your bets. And also if you really like one and you don't want to tread lightly, you got to just be looking at the lineup. Make sure that the guys you care about are in there. And as you know, we get the second game out of these breaks, we'll have a little more info, but the first one, man, it's going to be dicey. So keep a, a major eye out for that because there will be frustrating absences. It's going to happen. Yep. Uh, If only we had
2: the NFL rule where you had to publicly report injuries and stuff like that, but not is the case. So start hawking those fan forums, make those fake accounts, get those burners up and running (laughs) and get down and dirty into the weeds. Uh, That's all we got, folks. Thanks for stopping by. Please rate and review our show on the Apple podcast platform. Check us out on Spotify and we will see you next time
0: on the Big Bets on Campus podcast.